And this is episode number 128 for Monday, November 2nd, 2020. I'm your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz Podcast, Andre Berlinger. I'm a meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. This is going to be one of those very popular downloads and very popular episodes. Why? It is our annual winter weather outlook, and we've already done this on the TV side, but as you can imagine, we are constrained to telling that flavor of the winter weather forecast in just a couple of minutes. But with Weather Jazz, we can expand that. As I like to tell everybody, it's the opportunity for two meteorologists on staff with the same station to kind of get nerdy with the audience because uh, we get into some of the technical aspects that drive any winter weather forecast. Our morning meteorologist on WJW Television, Scott Sable, uh, has been doing a whole lot of research lately and really introducing us to a bunch of new parameters that are seeing links to how it basically drives winter weather or at least pushes it in one direction or another. The nuances of winter weather. The big parameter is the El Nino Southern Oscillation, and that's what we look at first. It's the big drive. Is it La Nina, which is cold, or is it El Nino, which is warm? And we're talking about the waters in the eastern Pacific. Uh, With these water temperature variations, it tends to do things to our northern hemisphere winter, especially in the North uh, uh, Americas, and that is the starting point of the winter weather outlook. But as with anything, that's just one of many dozens of parameters that shape and kind of steer those winds in order to give us a certain flavor of winter. So without further ado, let's dive right in with our morning meteorologist, Scott Sable, and he and I had the opportunity to chat about and get real nerdy on you in terms of the winter weather outlook parameters. Here's our conversation from earlier today. Scott, good to have you on Weather Jazz. Uh, this is a real popular episode, and so uh, I'm ready to buckle up and to let's get weather nerdy, shall we? We're obviously talking about the winter weather outlook. And the winter weather outlook, uh, which we unveiled last Thursday on Fox 8 News, primarily for Northeast Ohio, but we can certainly talk about the broad general sense in the USA since weather jazz is something that people listen to really all across the country. So let's start with the very basics. Uh, there are an awful lot of parameters that we look at, but the first one we always look at is uh, the Southern Oscillation, the El Nino Southern Oscillation. This year, this year we're Uh, On the cold side, we have a La Nina, um, and that tends to produce a certain pattern. But correct me if I'm wrong, there are probably a greater number of La Nina flavors to the winter than there are El Nino uh, flavors to the winter generally across the USA. Would you characterize it the same way? I would, yeah, especially when we look at the, the types of storm tracks um, 
that usually accompany a La Nina. Um, and, you know, normally we think of, especially here in the Great Lakes, we think of the Alberta Clipper type systems, the cold fronts that come in right out of central Canada. And then you go down into, you know, even here, but down into the Ohio Valley. Um, and then back into the middle of the country, you have the panhandle lows. A lot of times during um, certain types of El Ninos, you can get dominant panhandle low type winters. Uh, but in La Ninas, you can have a mixture of both. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you look back in history, you know, the, the at least here in the in Cleveland, the frequency of these clipper systems, I think, is far greater. So, yeah, the flavors tend to produce, you know, more frequent type weather systems. And that's going to be something. I know that was one of the variables that we were um, uh, looking at and one of the ones that definitely, you know, has been factored into our uh, our results for this winter. Well, let's take it month by month, and uh, mm-hmm. because there appears to be uh, a delineation really between the months, and December right now is looking like uh, temperatures will net a little above normal and snowfall below normal, and it uh, looks like that polar vortex is trying to retrogress into Siberia, and when it does that, right. typically it's pretty quiet around here for a little while, so we may get lulled into kind of a, a false sense of what the winter by and large is going to be producing. I absolutely, you know, and even in the last couple of winters where here in Northern Ohio and in portions of the Southern great lakes, you know, we have not had a whole lot of snow at the beginning of the winters, uh, November, December, you know, we, you know, we always hear, uh, wait a minute, there's no snow. Oh, winter's over, shut it down. Mm-hmm. And then of course, that's kind of what's happened here. We have, we've had five straight winters with below normal snowfall and it looks like this winter, like you said, it's going to start out the same way. There's a lot of really good, um, uh, especially the, the students now. And I, I say the young kids in their twenties and thirties who are, <laughs> who are really starting to feast again. I'm sounding old now who are really starting to, um, develop ways of, um, graphically representing the polar vortex and mm-hmm. graphically representing um, projections. And when we look at some of these projections, and there's uh, there was a student that he was a, a, a meteorology student. I think he might be a PhD student now up in England. He has a great website showing how strong the polar vortex seems to be heading into November, um, and there just doesn't seem like there's any significant. Um, um, you know, buckling of the of the polar vortex. Now it can get cold without that, without the influence of the polar vortex. But mm-hmm. like like you know, Andre, it, 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 that really helps. And it doesn't oh, yeah. seem like we're going to see a whole lot of that here, uh, at least in November and and maybe into the early portions of next month. All right. So we start off uh, looking like it may uh, be the kind of winter where it's very kind, even though so far this past weekend we had our first lake effect event and. Not mm-hmm. only snow here, but uh, record snowfall in Boston. Uh, it was the earliest that, that they have ever seen three and a half inches of snow in their history. Um, but um, looks like uh, things begin to settle down even this week. I mean, take a look at the forecast for this week. Once the sun comes out on Election right. Day, we've got uh, 60s and a long, long stretch of, of nice, mild sunshine. So, Correct. okay. So we start December off on a on a quiet note. Let's jump into January. Does it stay mm. that way? It doesn't look like it does. No, it doesn't. And you know, it's funny because you look back over the last couple of winters, 
And, you know, we have not had a whole lot of brutally cold, long-lasting periods of, you know, temperatures in the teens, below zero readings. You know, it happened from time to time, you know, in the last couple of winters, but nothing that's long-lasting, nothing that's certainly memorable. Um, real quick, a lot of that, and I'm, I know I'm kind of shifting gears here a little bit, but last year, one of the big variables that is not present this year is called the IOD. It's the Indian Oceanic Dipole. And mm-hmm. it's the ocean water temperatures in the Indian Ocean. Uh, it's an index. It can go positive or negative, just like uh, the Southern Oscillation, just like a lot of the other uh, indices um, that we always talk about here in Weather Jazz. This one last year, it was extraordinarily positive. And it was something that, that, that was, I think, in my, my opinion, underestimated. Because what happened, it started to go down and it went back to normal. But it started to influence the pattern across the northern Pacific and the northern Atlantic. And eventually that that connected to the polar vortex. There have been a couple of research papers written about this. Um, And in my opinion, I think that was one of the reasons why it was so warm last year, one of many. Um, And it was one of those things where we thought last year maybe we were going to see a little more snow. And I think the Indian Ocean played a big role. But this year, without the Indian Ocean factor... Um, like you said, January and February, uh, along with this La Nina, we could be looking to more periods of cold, longer, more notable periods of cold that, you know, just just don't happen for one or two days. We could be looking at longer lasting periods mm-hmm. that might continue to highlight, you know, potential uh, lake effect, more clipper systems. And once we get snow cover, that snow cover might stick around a lot longer. Right. It's almost like a positive feedback where once you, yeah, you get the snow cover, the air cools down, you have uh, higher albedo or reflectivity. So the sun doesn't do a lot of good in warming things up. So it tends to be mm-hmm. colder and it's, it's a self-perpetuating kind of thing. Now, this IOD that you're talking about, a relatively new parameter uh, that you mentioned, how long has that been around? The parameter has actually been around for a long time. It really influences uh, the weather significantly in Australia. You know, they look at dry, their extremely dry conditions or extremely wet conditions. Um, and a lot of that is directly related to what phase the IOD is in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that, um, you know, a lot of meteorologists will use. But a lot of times there's other factors like the Southern Oscillation or the North Atlantic Oscillation or the Polar Vortex or a lot of other factors that sometimes completely overwhelm it and it becomes not much of a factor. Well, last year, uh, at least in my opinion, it became a factor. Um, so we'll see. This year, it's it's more trending, more negative, um, a little bit negative, neutral to negative. And so I think a lot of the other factors, like you mentioned, La Nina, um, the, um, the North Atlantic Oscillation, the Arctic Oscillation, a lot of those factors that typically lock in cold, I think will be much stronger and have Mm -hmm. a greater influence on the weather across the eastern half of the U.S. We're almost starting to see a little hint of that trying to develop. I have noticed that a number of systems, including some old tropical systems that have gone extra tropical and literally blown up between Iceland and Scotland. And with that that pattern – kind of hanging out, you'll have a greater chance of a Greenland block starting to develop. And if a Greenland block develops, that in turn will allow the uh, polar vortex to buckle into the United States more frequently. Not initially, but, but it does look like. 
roughly, I, this is this is the date that I put out. And naturally, this has some plus or minus elbow room, but uh, we kind of figured January twelfth through at least Valentine's Day would be the period to watch for uh, a lot of cold dumps and a lot of uh, potential panhandle hooks. Right, exactly. And you mentioned um, you mentioned the Greenland block. Something interesting happened, and I was just looking at my notes. Back at the last time we had a La Nina, which was the winter of 2017-2018, and our winter outlook was right on the money, by the way. I was looking back. Yeah. Sometimes we get it, sometimes we don't. And we had the Panhandle Storm Track, and it worked out. I think I have those years right. But I remember there was a Greenland block. But what also happened was that, and typically La Nina, this does happen, you have a southeastern ridge, ridge of high pressure that mm, develops right. over the southeastern U.S. It's almost like the Bermuda High that usually gives us our warm weather in the middle of the summertime starts to retrograde a little bit, and that usually starts to feed into that, that, uh, that panhandle-type hook-type pattern. Well, back in 2017, 2018, I think it was that year, I could be mistaken, but we had a Greenland block, and we also had a little bit of a southeast ridge, and I'm looking at that going, well, that's interesting. Usually, the Greenland block suppresses the southeastern mm-hmm. ridge. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to see, you know, you mentioned, and we mentioned this, too, on our Outlook on the Air, the changeable zone in the Ohio Valley, where, you know, we're going to be right in that battle zone, not only with, in January and February, with these type of panhandle systems, but also the possibility of having little intrusions of warmth right. periodically, like we've had in recent years, that might suppress the the cold. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's going to be a very interesting winter. But like you mentioned, that period of time in late January into February would be the time that we'd have to really watch here. Because if that Greenland block does set up, it could very well overwhelm that southeast ridge, and we could end up with some pretty serious cold. Mm-hmm. And uh, once we get past that, as we head into the latter part of February, uh, it does appear as though uh, the ridge, the ridges, uh, that southeast ridge has been a semi-permanent fixture really in the last four, maybe mm-hmm. five winters. Uh, and mm-hmm. that, that has kind of ruined things for our winter yep. weather outlook uh, in, in, the, in recent years. Uh, so... We're looking for that to make a comeback, perhaps uh, late February and uh, into March. Not that we're forecasting anything at this stage for March, but uh, if you had to, I'd have to say things would get quiet again pretty fast. I I would definitely agree. Um, I was also looking back the last time we had a brutally cold uh, February was Mm -hmm. back in 2014. And that was one of those years where we had no southeast ridge. But you're right. Right. Overall, the last five, six winters, that southeast ridge, even in the absence of a La Nina, has been extremely dominant. Mm -hmm. You know, I often wonder uh, that I'm sure some people are doing research on that. Well, why is that? Why is that so dominant? Even when, you know, the answer, I I really don't know the answer to that. But it's something, at least when you look at persistence forecasting, and we always talk about persistence, uh, that's something that can't be ignored. Certainly one of our variables uh, for this winter. Mm-hmm. The the stream, the Gulf Stream, probably having a right. lot to do with keeping that uh, southeast ridge somewhat semi-dominant. And that's right. a cycle that uh, the the, uh, the North Atlantic uh, sea surface temperatures will cycle, eventually cycle back down. And they may be starting to do that now. And that will be something to watch because that will mm-hmm. in turn allow us or force us 
to make an adjustment as we look at winters down the line, 2021 to 2022 right. or 2022 to mm-hmm. 2023. Now, we're not doing any right. forecasting for them yet, but it's still going to be interesting to uh, to monitor what those uh, sea surface temperatures do in the North Atlantic um, as, right. uh, you know, we have been in that persistent warm pattern for uh, a handful of years now. Right, right. Again, it's been this will be, well, five straight winters of below normal snowfall. Mm-hmm. And I think five straight winters of below normal temperatures, the lack of snow cover. Um, last year, our Lake Erie ice coverage was at the lowest level ever. Looking back, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't have very many days with more than 10% ice coverage. So, um, you know, people always say we're due. And, you know, this could be a, this could be a winter that kind of resets our, our, our uh, the psychology, resets our minds a little bit, you know. Um, something that, um, you know, that Southeast Ridge is something we'll definitely have to, uh, have to monitor. Um, and looking, you know, even further down the line, you know, it's going to be an interesting spring too, if that, if that, and I know I'm jumping ahead here, but with that panhandle storm track, um, if the La Nina persists, that could be something that we'll have to watch maybe for spring snows, right. looking, you know, past right. the, past the early, early March timeframe. Mm-hmm. I always tell people when we talk about long range outlooks, and I always try to develop, um, some sort of analogy that people can relate to. And I know a lot of times we, we tend to do these long range outlooks and people end up trying to compare them to day to day forecasts and, you know, they're apples and oranges. Exactly. And I always tell people, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's, I always tell people, it's like making your grandma's casserole. For instance, today it's a little, it's windy outside and I got this chicken soup that I'm making and we got about 10 ingredients, you know, each ingredient by itself um, you know, it was a pretty big deal. If you change one little portion of those ingredients and the taste can be totally different. It, right. It's not a one-to-one relationship. And yeah. that's typically with these long range outlooks, you know, one winter, you can have that dominant Southeast Ridge and that shifts a little or La Nina changes a little bit and things can go completely haywire. So, um, I know I'd like to keep things simple, but these long range outlooks, you know, they can be incredibly challenging and each and every year we always have to, Almost, almost have to redesign the the recipe somewhat to keep everything um, from from getting old and getting stale. And and you add some research in there, and you know this this could be one of those years where we really we we really nail it. We'll have to see what happens. It's a good analogy and talking about the flavor. It's mm-hmm. uh, that's what we're forecasting. We're not forecasting day to day weather. Uh, we're forecasting the flavor of the winter. Which, uh, you know, includes lots and lots of nuances. Uh, You talk about the snowless period. We've had five uh, winters now where we've had below normal snowfall. And the last time we had a a string that long, uh, it was actually nine winters from 1963 to 1972 where we were at least 10 inches below normal for that long a period. Well, since then... Since 1972, we haven't seen many more than two winters in a row or three at the very most where the snowfall is below normal. But obviously, the atmosphere doesn't care about statistics. It's going to do what it's going to do. And um, 
At this stage, um, in terms of snowfall, we are going for near normal snowfall, but we think that the bulk of that snow will fall in that period of time when the polar vortex and and the southeast ridge gets suppressed. And that'll be about a four-week period. So maybe we'll get slammed for four weeks, and then maybe winter will be over. (laughs) Maybe not. It's very well possible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, remember last year, oh, yeah. our very first lake effect event was in November 11th through the 13th. I don't mm-hmm. know. If, I think it was around that time. We had some residual. And, you know, portions of the snow belt had 12, 16 inches of snow, and it was mm-hmm. cold, and everyone was like, whoa, here we go. It's going to be, and then nothing. And all of a sudden, you know, it was that one little thing that, that kind of skewed the entire winter. Right. And beyond that, it was, right. it was so... You know, we'll see. We'll have some, you know, we'll definitely have some lake effect events between now and, and the end of December. But, um, you know, the ground's warm. We yeah. had, um, you know, we've had some warm stretches. So, you know, if we do, more than likely that snow cover w- w- will be very um, localized and it probably won't uh, last a long time. And uh, the lake effect, I might uh, add, for last mm-hmm. winter, we had at least one lake effect event. And we had two measurable snowfalls in the month of May, and that has never happened in Cleveland ever until last year. One of those, at the very least, was a lake effect event in May, uh, which is kind of kooky. It was, yeah, and I remember uh, looking at the, um, I remember that day, I remember looking at the 850 temperatures and going, whoa, wait a minute, this is, and I think it was like a minus 8, which is really cold for sure. really May, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, minus 8, the lake is, didn't freeze over, so it was already at whatever it was, I'm like, right. wow, this, wait a minute, this could, is this real? And I'm like, no, it can't be, and sure enough, we ended up having some snow, and as I recall, that May was one of the coldest Mays we've had in a long yeah, time. Right. And we also went one of the uh, might even been in early June, the first time we even hit 80 degrees. And that was at the time when everyone thought summer wasn't going to happen. And of course, then the switch flipped. But yeah, May was a very interesting month and a very memorable one here in northern Ohio. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, we're calling for near yeah. normal snowfall, plus or minus 10. It's about 57 to 77 uh, inches, normally mm-hmm. 66. Uh, but right. out of all the parameters uh, I think we'll have to watch for, I think it's going to be snowfall because of that storm track, which is going to be so sensitive to the southeast ridge. So if we do any kind of tweaking, I suspect it's going to be to reduce the forecast of total snowfall uh, toward the end of right. the year as we relook at this in the month of February. But uh, uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. That's the way the flavor of winter can go. Mm-hmm. You got it. Yeah, we'll have to definitely have to see what happens with that. The uh, uh, the snow cover across North America right now is at like 35%, and that didn't happen until well in, into November. So, right. um, you know, we do have snow cover, but like you said, the polar vortex just doesn't seem like it's moving our way anytime soon. So this this snow in the middle of the country and this cold that we've had in the last several weeks uh, at least seems like a, it's going to be a, a kind of a flash in the pan, mm-hmm. at least when we're looking down the road two to three weeks, heading into probably the middle of November until around Thanksgiving. You know, we it'll be it'll be interesting. But like you said, the, the January, February time frame will be the one that we'll definitely have to watch. 
All right. Hold your breath, everybody. Winter is uh, just about upon us. It's going to be a fun ride, as we all like to say, and we'll have to wait and see what the flavor eventually is. Let's let's see how close we uh, ended up with that. And of course, we'll have this conversation again, Scott, in the month of February as uh, we fine tune and tweak what's left and look uh, forward to March and April. Uh, until then, um, let's uh, let's see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for having me on, Andre. And you can uh, you can follow us on social media. We'll be posting a whole bunch of stuff, I'm sure, throughout the winter. And keep keep track. Get your winter scorecard ready. I will put those links on weatherjazz.com on this episode. So for those of you that would like uh, links to Scott's blog or uh, any other resources that we've talked about today we'll make sure to post that weatherjazz.com on this episode thanks scott you got it andre have a great day oh boy get ready for winter it's coming and i hope you've enjoyed today's episode and discussion about that winter weather outlook we will update that sometime in the month of february and we'll fine-tune and tweak as we look ahead towards uh, march april etc Please help me to spread the word about Weather Jazz inside your sphere of influence on social media, word of mouth, emails, any other way. We certainly would appreciate that. Special thanks to those of you that have partnered to support Weather Jazz to further expand future episodes and the frequency of topics covered. They include Christine Barnes in Ohio, Don Manassa in Virginia, Bill Martin in Florida, and my newest supporter, O'Keefe's, the maker of working hands and working feet. And if you would like to partner with Weather Jazz, consider becoming a monthly Weather Jazz supporter. You'll find the link at the bottom of every episode at weatherjazz.com. If you have a question or topic suggestion, I welcome your input. You can easily reach me at weatherjazz at yahoo.com. And now also via text or voicemail at the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line. The telephone number is 234-525-5888. Again, 234-525-8888. If you are listening to Weather Jazz via one of many podcast apps available, remember to subscribe so that you can automatically download every episode as I make them available. And if you're in the Cleveland area or plan to visit or are simply traveling through, you can watch my 5 and 7 p.m. weekday weather segments on WJW Television, Fox 8, or from anywhere in the world, live at fox8.com. And by the way, I also have a Twitter and Instagram account. You can follow me at Andre Bernier, A-N-D-R-E-B-E-R-N-I-E-R, or on Facebook by looking for the Weather Jazz podcast page. Well, coming up next time on Weather Jazz, I'm going to be joined by Melanie Blumenthal from O'Keefe's, since wintry winds are right around the corner. And in the next few weeks, I'll be interviewing one of Iceland's most popular musicians. His name is Jan Jonsson. And if you've never sampled his music, I'll tell you what, you're in for a real treat. I'll let you sample that music inside that episode. And that'll be upcoming uh, sometime in the month of November. So we'll see you soon with another engaging episode right here on Weather Jazz. Weather and science across the globe.
Jazz